Hello and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts wherever you get your podcast, and it's also available through the Danfoss Ref Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video collection. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. Chris, we're back in the studio for uh, Season 2, Episode 2, and um, moving right along here. And like we said last time, we're talking about CO2, a little bit more of a a focus this time around. And um, I think this time, one of the things we want to get into is uh, pack controllers, because those are new for uh, a lot of people, at least in North America anyway. And um, we'll talk about uh, why they're used, how they're used, and um, just cover some of the basics. Yeah, they're arguably the most important part of the control side of the system for CO2, so a good yep. one to yeah, get right into. Yeah, I call this Pack Controller 101. There you go. Maybe next time it'll be 201 <laughs> for the people who moved on and signed up for that course. <laughs> All right, so um, last time around we talked about the pros and cons of using CO2 as a refrigerant. And along with that comes some new hardware, uh, like the high-pressure valve, the uh, receiver bypass valve, and so on. And the other part that is new for some people on the control side are these pack controllers, like we said. They got their name from Europe, where over there they call a rack a pack. And the idea of a pack controller is that the control of the compressors and condensers can be done in a, in a dedicated controller. And uh, this controller can basically do more things and it can react quicker than our standard system manager. So if, um, if you're controlling CO2, your pressures can change pretty quickly and then the, the pack controller can keep up with that. So uh, this can be a new concept for people like me, myself who have been around refrigeration for a fairly long time. And we just got used to watching compressor cycle on a screen and um, we know it's in that magic box but now it's it's a done within a black box somewhere else so it takes a little getting used to yep and people throw it we've always seems like in this industry got half a dozen terms for everything yep. people say decentralized or standalone and that's where the pack controller falls in it's it's something that's meant to do exactly what it's doing and not a million other things like the system managers are for us so, uh, yeah, so what we'd like to do today is just explain how the pack controller works as far as setup, software you're, you're going to kind of use to access it, um, connecting to the front-end system manager controller and, and some of the files that go along with it. So as far as setup and, and tying the pack controller into something like a system manager, uh, for us, the pack controller, and, and we do have a whole portfolio, you can best fit your system design uh, pack controller to it as far as suction groups and compressors and that type of thing. But whether it's a, a smaller model like the PC351 that we offer or more of a big boy like the AKPC782A, um, they're all standalone like I just mentioned a second ago. So they can operate independently of the system manager if you wanted to, if you didn't see the need or, or feel like you wanted to, to use a system manager in your design. But when they are connected to a system manager, which is what we see a majority of the time, uh, the system manager side of this is going to give you a good bit of visibility into the, the parameters and the statuses that the pack controller uh, is controlling, the features as far as sensors and transducers at the rack, valve percentages, opening degrees, those types of things. That's all going to be something that's visible at the system manager level. 
And so you, you get about 80-90% of the overall structure and setup of the pack controller just right there from the system manager itself, which for, for most guys, that's good enough to do some general troubleshooting and just a general check of the system if that's why they're they're viewing it. Now, if you want to get into a full kind of 100% visibility of the pack controller, we have a, a PC-based tool. Uh, it's called Service Tool. There's a, a full kind of designation, uh, AKST500. Those both refer to the same piece of software. Uh, it's a free piece of software, download from our website. So when you're talking specifically about our 700 series pack controllers, so we have a 772, a 781, 782, 783, all those models that start with a 7, those are the ones that specifically use this service tool software um, to tap in for startup and to do your more in-depth troubleshooting if you need to. Most of the time, there's a remote option for it, but majority of the time, what you're going to do with Service Tool is it's a local connection, uh, again, from your computer into uh, a plug that's right there on the front of the um, back controller. Uh, the software is going to allow you to do a complete setup. The, the big part that you wouldn't have the ability to do from the system manager would be changing I.O. points. Uh, you can override inputs and outputs from Service Tool. You can actually do a small amount of graphing right there within the, the software. And then it's also your interface if you want to back up the setup in the, inside of the pack controller or if you're replacing it and you need to restore a, a backup file into the pack controller to get it up and running the way you had it before. Yep. Okay. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll post a, uh, a simple graphic that shows the family of pack controllers that we have from the PC351 up through the, the 783A. If you're looking into pack controller models, you notice some of them, like the 782, has two versions. There's a 782A and a 782B. And the only difference between the A and the B is that the A communicates with the system manager via LAN RS-485, and the 782B communicates over Ethernet to a router and then back to the uh, SM800A on the Ethernet 1 port that's the one on the bottom of the system manager. Right. And those two Ethernet ports in the uh, 800A have no connection between them if you're concerned about IP security. Right. Yep. So if you're going to use service tool to connect, to connect into a PAC controller, uh, kind of the, the connection could be a little different. So if it's a rack that's been up and running and operational for a few years, then there's a, a good chance you're going to have to use, uh, we used to have it with the 255 rack controller. We called it the direct connect cable. Um, but it's a, a nine pin on one end that you'll probably end up converting to USB for your computer. And then an ethernet connector on the other end to go into the pack controller. The older pack controller models, if it didn't have an A or a B at the end, so if it was just a PC781 or PC782, those are the models that we're using this type of connector to get into. So it's really just a matter of taking a peek at the front cover of the pack controller to see if that's what you have to know which cable you need or not. And I'd say again, maybe if you're going back to a system that was designed or installed more than two or three years ago, that's almost a guarantee that that's the type you're going to have. Within the last two or three years, we've transitioned to a slightly newer hardware. A lot of the pack controller is going to look exactly the same, but when you get into these models that do have an A at the end, so again, something like a 781A or 782A, they use a straight USB cable. So the, the end for your computer is going to be a USB style A, and then the 
connection type to go into the pack controller itself is a, a USB dash B or type B. It's a, I, I always, I guess maybe I'm starting to show some age. I didn't realize I had, but I always call that a printer cable connection. So that, <laughs> what's, a, what's a printer? Yeah, exactly. But the USB B is uh, that printer type of connection, almost a square uh, design on it. And again, I mentioned it a little earlier on, but there's a lot of options in the, the pack controllers. Um, so it comes down to how many suction groups you had and maybe what we had available at the time for options. Uh, a lot of the older jobs were going to use a 781 because we didn't have the 782 available at the time. The 781 and the 781A, the, the upgraded model of it, those are your single suction group pack controller so if you're using that and you've got a booster system on your co2 design you're going to expect to see at least two of those 781s one that's just for the low temp side and one for the medium temp side newer jobs the last few years we've come out with a 782 model that handles both suction groups within one controller one pack controller um, so I, we see a lot more usage of the 782a or b just because it condenses things down into one device which makes things a little bit easier to get into and troubleshoot um, and it's really uh, <clears throat> all aspects of the rack that that these pack controllers are typically uh, handling. Is I mean, VFD signal to the the compressors, the the on off signal to the compressors, uh, the gas cooler side, the the fans there. We're sending a speed signal that most gas coolers are using a zero to ten or ten to zero today. Um, fully integrated with that. Heat reclaim, uh, high pressure valve, receiver bypass valve, really any control point on the rack that, that needs to happen, uh, it's happening through this pack controller. Yep, and some guys might be used to seeing the EKC 326 or 326A, but the function of that is really integrated into the pack controller. That's right, yep. So you wouldn't have a pack controller and an EKC 326. That's correct. Yep. So in some cases, the first time you work on a pack controller is when you walk into a problem. Um, you've got a compressor won't run, or no compressors are running, or there's some kind of alarm going on that you don't recognize. And um, before you find yourself kind of in this, uh, this spot, it might be worth loading service tool on a laptop and kind of get used to taking that with you and plug it into the pack controller just once in a while, just so you can kind of get a familiarity for the process and, and look around. And it doesn't take long to learn the menus when you're in the service tool software. It's pretty intuitive. Um, it's just a matter of remembering where things are. And then um, if you have a manual around on your laptop for the pack controller, that can help um, on some of the alarms that might crop up that you may not recognize. Um, but, you know, if you're in the pack controller and you're just looking around, you're really can't mess things up right right and it's uh, i mean it's, it, you're you're almost saving yourself a day possibly just by having the software on your computer ahead of time yeah and we're doing these training classes now that that's that's step one coming into a training is we want to see the guys have service tool software on their computer so making sure you've got that in the right cable then we can kind of take off if we need to do some troubleshooting with you while you're on site for one of these jobs yeah um from a setup standpoint, it's, uh, the software, it's, uh, you'll actually see two different applications or two different Short pieces cuts. of software that you're going to yep. get when you download it and install it. There's the, the main service tool piece of the software, and then there's also something that we call configuration. The configuration side something that uh, you really only use once or twice most of the time. That's where you're getting in to set your COM port for the USB connection, 
but you can also set units of measure in there. So one of the calls that we get from guys sometimes is, I don't want to see all my pressures and temps in metric. I want to see it in Imperial or US units. So that's something good to keep in the back of your head is that this configuration shortcut or, or, or software that you'll have on your computer as well, that's where you want to get into that you can change your units of measure so that you can flip between metric and Imperial depending on what you prefer there. You also see some options in there for a, a login. You can auto, you can enable an option to auto login. Um, if you're manually logging in, it's nothing super cryptic here. It's uh, you'll see the drop down options for a username and supervisor, abbreviated as SUPV, is the common option that you want to choose. Um, and then the the default password that we have for the pack controllers is just one two three. Yep, it's pretty simple. Yep. Um, so if you're using the service tool to make um, make some changes, then you can make some setting adjustments. Uh, not, a, not a big deal there. But if you're making bigger changes that affect sort of uh, how things work or you're enabling things or turning things off, um, then the software will tell you that you have to do a couple things first. Yep. Um, you have to turn off the main switch and then you have to unlock the configuration. And that allows it to kind of shut everything down and then allow you to make your change so it doesn't have to try to do this change on the fly while it's still doing control at the same time. Yeah, you're shutting the rack down when you do that. So everybody be prepared. That's right. If you it's going that. to get quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you're done with your changes, uh, then you would reverse that order. You would lock the configuration. Then you turn the main switch back on. And uh, like Chris said, yeah, you turn off the main switch. It's, you know, same thing with our case controllers. If you turn off the main switch, the control stops. In this case, you turn off the main switch and uh, the control stops and the room gets quiet. Yep. At least for whatever's being controlled by that pack controller. And it will stage back up after that. It's not where it's just going to cold cut on everything it had on before you turn it off. Yep. So expect it to kind of ramp up the capacity of the rack when you yep. do that. Typically start with compressor one on the drive and yep. go from there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that is pack controllers 101 for this week. So Chris, let's get back to uh, stump Chris. And start <laughs> off good season two. <laughs> See how we can do. Uh, yeah. With another question for you. Um, I don't know. This one might be a little easier for you. So your fans won't complain as bitterly about all these unfair questions. So um, if you're laying out a pack controller, you know, you can plug extension modules into the end of it. Yep. So how many extension modules can you plug into the end of a pack controller? Uh, on top of that one, eight on top of the pack controller itself. Is that Before a guess? you extend down we, to... Well, you got the whole caveat of CM102s. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So is eight a guess? Straight or across you feel... would be eight, but you can get a lot more if you're going down to com modules, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could go up to 11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, com module Chris is referring to is the CM102. Yep. Which basically is just kind of an extension device that lets you go out in your cabinet a certain distance until you run out of room, and then you use the, a couple of cables and you come down to another set of DIN rail and then you continue from there Yep. Um, until you get up to 11 additional modules after the pack controller and then you have to stop. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot of points. 
And we, yeah, it's comm modules. We probably see them used more in a situation where you, someone wants to put some boards up on the roof of the condenser or gas cooler, mm-hmm. and they'll maybe do that there too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Eleven noted. <laughs> <laughs> Here I thought it was a softball. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be stuck in these one-on-one classes for a yeah. while. <laughs> this is like spring training for you all over again. <laughs> all right. Well, then let's uh, let's talk about listener mail. Um, George from Georgia wrote in, and um, he was wondering um, about something that this is going to be an easy one for you because we almost have already answered it yeah. in, the, in this recording. So, Oops. yeah, yeah, that's okay. So he said, hey, I'm laying out my pack controller, and what do I do if I run out of space in the cabinet? Yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah. Stole your thunder on this one. <laughs> that's okay. So now I'm not only failing the classes, I'm also <laughs> making the teacher look bad. <laughs> I'll get you next week. <laughs> For next recording, yes. Yeah, so the answer is if you run out of room, then you get the CM-102, and then uh, that allows you to extend. uh, Essentially, to the pack controller, there's no difference whether it's a different set of DIN rail or it's all one big long extension. Yeah, the board numbering, just we'll maybe talk about addressing here somewhere in the next few shows, but the, the board numbering would continue on, like you said, just like it's snapped onto the end. Right, And then right. it's just a, is it RJ11 or RJ45? I can't remember which, but it's a mm-hmm. cable that you take out of the top of the pack controller and run that to the, the connection point on the CM102. Yep. And uh, just pick up from there. Yep, there you go. Yep. Yeah, the only time I've seen, uh, I have seen CM102s being used in the field. The only time I saw one go bad was when it got washed in glycol. <laughs> that was a bad day <laughs> yeah so if you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for topics to cover a question or a comment you can always email us at controllertalknorthamerica at danfoss.com that's controllertalknorthamerica at danfoss.com thanks for listening our studio and video engineer used to be Michael don't call me Mike Beckerman but I don't know. We're we not see him uh, anytime soon. So fortunately, we have Maria. She's back from Canada. She was fighting fires up there. And uh, our new guy is Josh Tignall. He does whatever Maria tells him. <laughs> That's how it works. And our sound and audio engineer is Raul Garcia. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool.